Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Uh, Welcome to Money Mondays, everybody. Down from five, dude. I was counting down from five. All right. Well, you got to get you know your daughter. I don't know if I'm going to say her name, but get her up here. She can kind of do the countdown for us. She might. Yeah, she might have better luck than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, once you get past four, man, it's, it's, it's all bites off. You know. Yeah. So. But welcome to Money Mondays, everybody. Money Mondays, Disrupt TV. Ben Ferris are your hosts. And what are we talking about today, man? We are talking about how people can get started in multifamily investing, right? As a multifamily right. investor, so. You know, just kind of the ins and outs, what it takes, some things to consider, right? I know a lot of people came from residential, including myself, right? And really talking through how that compares. And so, you know, yeah, that's probably our topic today. So for those of you that don't know, our uh, uh, Money Mondays, every Monday at 3.30 Central, right? We will go through all sorts of different topics. Usually we have one key thing that we're presenting, but again, mm-hmm. we're happy to talk about other things people want to talk about. So you're welcome to ask questions. We will go through those live here, Q&A. And feel free to let us know what you guys want to know, what things are interesting, what's going on in your world. We're happy to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're coming up with a lot of these on our own uh, in terms of the, the topics. Like but to we, say, we do we, want we it like to be. We like to wing it. Yeah, we do want it to. Well, we want it to be interactive, folks, right? So, I mean, and we've told us, told you guys this in the past, right? We doesn't have to be multifamily. It doesn't even have to be real estate related, right? We could talk about being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, tips and tricks to, you know, be a better business yeah. owner, right? More importantly, mm-hmm. I thought about this today whenever I put the shirt on. Ronnie just said he didn't get the memo about Plaid. Uh, hey, so hey, how's it hey, going, hey. Ronnie? Long no, time no see. It's funny, man. Like every time on Monday mornings, I'm like, Ron, so I'm Ronnie, thinking, has I'm, me, Ronnie has me nervous I, whenever I'm I wear Plaid about, shirts. Should I wear a Plaid this morning? And then I think, no, you know, Ronnie would not. Ronnie would not like. Would that. not approve. So, yeah, he would not approve. So, no, nah, man. So how's it going, buddy? Thanks for always. Uh, thanks for always tuning in, man. Yeah. You know, but uh, all right. So let's kick this thing off, man. So we have a couple questions here. You know. What makes multifamily investing, I guess, so popular? I mean, you know, lucrative, whatever you'd like to call it, right? It seems to be one of those things that's, even through COVID, it has still been very, very popular. Yeah, I think it's getting more popular. I have a theory that I think in the long run, multifamily cap rates will compress, right? It's a reminder to everybody that, hey, you know, it's pretty resilient. Let's let's step back. You're throwing some some terminology around. Basically, things are going to get more valued because there's going to be a lot more interest. Let's keep it dead simple. Well, or things might be getting, you look at the flip side, right? Things are going to get more expensive. No, no, by more valuable, I meant more expensive, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, so gotcha. people, there's going to be more demand. Therefore, people that currently own it, it's going to increase in value because it's getting yep. more expensive. So if you bought five years ago, you're probably sitting pretty. Absolutely. You know, but that doesn't mean that you still can't find deals. We're yeah. making offers. We're, you know, there's still stuff out there. So you just have to buy at the right cap rate for that area and make sure that your rent support yeah, that, Yeah, no, right? absolutely. So, you know, it's, um, it's a good place to be, and I think we're going to see where where the next six months go, right? Yep. We'll start to see if some of these multifamily deals, you know, don't perform as well as they used to, right? And maybe we can pick up some deals cheap, or maybe they continue to, so we'll see what happens yeah, with the yeah, government. Yeah, you never know, right? I think, you know, it was one of those things, if you would have asked me the same question back in April, I probably would have had a little bit more of a bearish look on the, the whole market, but, you know, once again, multifamily, and this is one of the this is one of the reasons why me and Ferris got into multifamily is because it is so resilient, right? It's, you know, we are providing housing 
to a very, very big sector of, of the United States, right? Yeah. You know, and our biggest partner is the federal government. They are in, it's, it's in their best interest to make sure that these are performed, that people can pay their rent, and that these properties provide affordable, clean, quality housing, right? Yeah. And that's, 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 how we're, that's how we serve the market. Absolutely. So, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. So let's talk about, do you like multifamily, Ben? I do like multifamily. All right, good, because right? that was probably the only answer you could give. Um, but ouch, no, we ouch, love multifamily, ouch. but I'll tell you guys why, right? I think one of our, well, on our slides, one of the questions is what makes multifamily investing so lucrative? And I'm going to answer it is, you know, I, I came from a software background. I like things that scale. And what I like about multifamily is that it does scale. Yes. Right? Came from the residential side. My very first purchase is a fourplex. It's about a mile down the road from the office. And it... You know, I got a taste of it, but then I bought a bunch of houses. I realized it does not scale very well, right? You end up having 12 loans, 12 insurance policies, 12 everything, right? Yep. And it kind of sucks. So multifamily is complete opposite, right? Especially if you're in syndication. Syndication is very much a scalable type business if you can run a business appropriately. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think, you know, that, that's what attracted me to multifamily. And really the biggest thing to me is just around how you can do forced appreciation. That's what made it more lucrative for me is that- I like that too. I can't make a house in the neighborhood be worth more than the other houses, right? Even if I put if I put a million dollars into that house, I probably am not gonna get Because it's all to a driven up. by comps, right? Sa- sales comps, Absolutely. right? That's, the, that's probably, let's step back let's, let's, and, and talk about that, right? You know, because I think that this is one of the biggest differentiators, I say from single family to multifamily, yeah. right? You know, so what is forced appreciation? Forced appreciation, so let's go back, I guess, to cap rate. Somehow we keep talking about cap rate. For those who don't know, what is a cap rate? A cap rate essentially is a way to identify a property's value relative to other properties, right? Like Ben said, in a neighborhood, you have comps. Comps are attractive because you can say what the house next door and the house the street over, what those are worth, because they're all generally very similar. Well, in the commercial world, you don't have as many comps nearby to compare against. So instead, cap rate is how they look at it, right? This is a five cap area, this is a six cap. And really all it means, if you bought the property cash, and did nothing different than what the previous owner is doing, right? How much could you get return on your cash? And so if you're buying a deal that's a five cap, right? If I bought it cash, again, I'm I'm taking leverage and the benefits of of leverage out of the equation. I bought it cash and I'm not gonna do anything special. I'm gonna operate it just as effectively or ineffectively as the current owner, right? What would I get return wise? That's what a cap is. Now with multifamily, right? The cap rate for, for sorry, the equation for cap rate it's NOI over value equals your cap. So if you're in an area that's a five cap, five is a fixed number, it's not yep. changing, right? Now your NOI is what you can change, right? I can do things to improve my NOI. I can make interior net upgrades. Net operating I can, income, yeah, right? Net operating <laughs> income. I can you know, update the interiors. I can install carports. Things are gonna boost my income. Yep. Well, if I boost my income, then my value X, what I'm solving for, actually goes up, right? And so the, that's the theoretical value of the property. So you can do those kind of things in multifamily. And to me, that was the, the gravy. I'm like, okay, I can actually control that, whereas yes. I can't control comps. Controllability, scalability, right? You know, some of the other things that, that we really love about it, and this was something that really wasn't talked about when we first got into the business, but now the last few years is becoming very, very important, you know, to make a lot of these deals work, right, is depreciation. Right, you know, and so essentially what it is, you know, and, and, and some of the cost sag has already been around, it's been around for years. What's happened through some of these these acts, uh, you know, the jobs acts or whatever, right, is they've introduced stuff that makes cost segregation even better, right? It, it makes it uh, bigger, it may be you are able to pull some things ahead, you know, in the first year or two versus having to wait over a course of, you know, say five to 10, you know, so you've got bonus depreciation now, right? 
So those things, you know, come come along to a partner in the deal on your K1 as a paper loss, right? So you could be you could be profitable, but on paper it looks like you're losing money because of this depreciation component, right? So therefore all that flows down to your personal tax return and that's going to offset some of your passive income if you have other passive income or if you're a real estate professional, some of your active income too, right? You know, check with your CPA. We're not CPAs. There's a lot of things that go into this, right? Yeah, you don't want Ben to be your CPA. Uh, trust you don't me. want me to be a CPA, right? You know, we pay we pay good money to good people to do that for us, right? But, you know, bottom line, it starts becoming very, very powerful. And so depreciation is another reason why we think multifamily is is one of the most lucrative asset classes to be in, right? So, Let's talk about roles, man. You know, if somebody's getting in, trying to get into, you know, multifamily, trying to be a syndicator or trying to add value to a group that's doing deals, you know, what are some of the roles that they can add? Before we talk about roles, let's quickly so update people. So, okay. you know, everyone you're watching, multi, you're watching uh, Money Mondays. We do it every Monday, 3.30 Central, right? And the goal, really, we're talking about different topics. Today, we're talking about... Getting into multifamily and mu- just the being the beginning yeah. parts of the multifamily but, investing, right? You know, at the end of it, we'd like to do open Q&A. So you guys are welcome to leave comments, questions, yep. and we will go through them live. Um, I know we have one coming up. I'm actually, I'll answer this one right now. Savion, how's it going again? Nice time. Savion, to see. all right. But, um, you know, he's asking how many projects would you say you guys aim to do per year? I'd say in terms of acquisitions, four to eight. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in that range is, can, is, is so. what we're trying to, right? You know, ultimately... This year, because of COVID, we're probably, gonna, we're probably not going to hit that goal. But two, you know, two is my number for this. Yeah, if we could do two, we'll be happy campers, right? Yeah, all so, right. So, um, so yeah, keep going. So roles you can play in multifamily. So the first and ob- first and foremost, and the way most people get started, passive investor. Yep. Right. Yep. Go find deals to invest in, and it's not hard. You can meet people at conferences, events, referrals, friends. You know, and finding deals that are attractive and learning does that operator does he have a track record or yep. not but can he get you the results of what you're looking for and does his criteria match your criteria yep you know it's so, all about risk tolerance right so, you know i mean you've got to find the deals that you want to invest in based on your risk tolerance right yeah. so some people for example might say hey you know i don't need cash flow right now so i'll invest in that development deal you know and get that big payoff in three to five years right you know whereas there's other investors that we have that say hey i need cash flow pretty quickly because that's essentially I'm what already I'm living retired off of. yeah, yeah i'm already I'm, retired that's that's what i'm living off of right and so you know certain deals might not work for them so you need to determine what your box is yeah. right and then you need to go find people that are that are playing there and and providing you deal flow um that fits in that box yeah right you know but what's a progression i always there's a there's a natural yeah, progression that i see right so you go from passive investor to what and then from that, really, you figure out a way to participate in a yep. GP in some limited capacity. You can find a deal. You yep. can help operate a deal. You can help, you know, basically, uh, so source the deal or equity kind of go together, right? Operate the deal, helping BKP. figure out. Yeah, BAKP, right? Mm-hmm. Signing on a deal. Provide liquidity, provide the balance sheet, right? Maybe you're really good at construction, helping manage the construction rehab Huge. project. Yeah. So it's really find a way to add value to an operator that you know. Yep. That's probably the next most common way. And then from that, right, well, now you've kind of got, you know, because there's a really, I like to say syndication is not hard, but it's very much project management on steroids. There's a lot of pieces that are moving at the same time, right? Trying to do it on your own, you can do it. You know, obviously people have done it. We've done it. But it's, it's you know, partnering with people that have also done it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, you got to find so, out what, what you like to do, right? Because some folks, it's funny, they'll get into being on the GP or on the syndication side. And they'll find out, hey, I don't really like doing whatever, asset management or construction management or something, right? 
And so now they know like, hey, on the next one, I'm not, if I, if I can't, you know, add value for the things that I like to do, then I'm going to have to find a group that I can, right? You know, so, but then sometimes there's a progression even beyond that point, right? And that's where you can be a lead sponsor or a lead syndicator, right? You know, and those are the people that are usually putting the whole thing together, right? You're putting the team together. You're probably ultimately asset managing slash property managing the deal. Um, you know, you're probably doing the bulk of pretty much everything. And so, you know, that's the natural progression if you want to go down that route. But realize, people, that this is an actual business, right? Once you get to that point, it's no longer a side hustle. It's not something that you can just, you know, do whenever you feel you know, like, you know, oh, I want to do some syndication today. It doesn't work like that. It turns into a real job, a real business that you have to grow. It's not so maintain. passive. It's not so passive on the active side. No, it's <laughs> absolutely an active thing that you're going to be living, breathing, and eating you know, until you sell that deal or those deals, yeah. right? But we do have a cheat sheet to help you, yep, right? Yeah, we do, we so do. DisruptEquity.com slash MF cheat sheet. If you kind of, we put together a cheat sheet just on some things to think about, right, as, as you're getting into the business. So yeah. definitely go go to the website, go check that out. You can go download that today. But um, so yeah. How do people get started, right? We talked about this a little bit, but let's just, let's just say what's the easiest path you know, if you and uh, besides being a passive investor, because I think everybody realizes yeah, that, right? But what is the what's the one thing that you know people can do? I always say, go find yourself a deal. So yeah, you I mean, know the that's probably one, the easiest but it's thing. The, if you have a real deal, trust me, there are there's a ton of people that will partner with you on that. Yeah, deal. you know, right? I mean, if, if you have a real deal, come talk to us. We're happy to take a look. <laughs> you know, anyone out there we'll that has it, a we'll real keep, deal, anything we'll from 100 to 400 units, most markets in the country, we're happy to take a look. Right, if it's a real deal. Yeah, because I mean, I always say that there, there's two sides of the, the coin, right? You can find the deal, or you can find the money. Finding the money is a little bit tougher, right? Because you have to, you really either have to be piped into a group that is already has wealthy individuals within it, and you have already built that trust for whatever reason, or you know, you have to have a track record, right? But whereas you can still, you can still get yourself a deal and get yeah. into a deal, right? You know, without having the the access to the equity. And so I'd say that's always the best way to get started, right? Oh, for sure. You know, so. If you're trying to get into multifamily, go bird dog yourself a deal. That's probably the best way to do it, right? Yeah. So we got some open Q&A. Yeah, so I had a few questions come in from online. So if you guys have questions, definitely feel free to chime in. But before we go to Q&A, right, watch your multifamily Mondays. We do this every Monday, 3.30 mm-hmm. Central. Today we're talking about getting into multifamily investing, what yep. that looks like. But again, you're welcome to ask questions about anything. We're open books, transparent. We're happy to talk about things that people want to talk about. So if you have questions, go ahead and leave them. And um, the first one is uh, bonus appreciation. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to mention what bonus appreciation has been. Yeah, I mean, we talked, I, I, I hinted at it earlier, right? It's it's something that's that's fairly new because of the Jobs Act. But, you know, essentially it, it allows you to pretty much supercharge cost seg, right? You know, so cost segregation allows you to kind of come in and say, all right, on this building, you know, this thing is going to, you know, its useful life is, you know, so many, 27 and a half years, right? And you're five years into it, there's a certain amount of depreciation that you can take for that item, right? Especially when you come in. Yeah, like in in real estate, the average, you know, real estate, if let's say you buy a house, right? You get to depreciate that over 27 and a half years. Well, guess what? That stove is not gonna last 27 and a half years, right? So with cost segregation, they're going in, they're saying, okay, all the stoves in this building are worth X, these depreciate over five years, so we can kind of get, get it accelerated, right? That's what we yeah. call accelerated appreciation, right? That's why you're doing the cost segregation study. 
Bonus yep. depreciation is what came out of the Jobs Act, where you can say, on top of that, I want to go, you know, accelerate even more of what I could typically do. Yeah, instead of say five years, you might be able to do it in one or two, right? Yeah. So that first year or two, folks, you can really Huge. juice that that you know the the benefit of a cost segregation study, right? And Madison Specs is the company that we use; they're good guys, yeah. um, you know. So you should check them out. They can answer any questions that you need about that type of stuff because right. it is kind of evolving, right? Some of the stuff's a little bit newer, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, so question, another question from Savion. Question, from my understanding, you shouldn't be communicating with potential investors without a PPM drafted. Can you hire a securities attorney to just draft the document so that you have something tangible to use to refer to in order to address concerns of a potential investor? Yeah, I mean, you can have someone draft what your potential PPM will look like, right? I think you just have to be careful probably how you talk about it. That's probably a better question, better for a securities attorney than yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, if you I, need referrals, reach out to us. We're happy to kind of point you at a few of them. Um, but you know, I think it's like, yeah, you can say, here's what my PPM will look like whenever I have a deal. I don't have a deal yet, but here's what I will have in it. And the returns will are dependent to that deal. You right? know, and, you, and, and really what, there's nothing wrong with having a simple conversation, right? Say, Hey, I'm looking at deals and I'll just throw, uh, I'm looking at deals that are hundred units and above in Houston that were built between 1970 and 1990, right? The returns could be anywhere from eight to 12% cash on cash, blah, 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 blah. Right? You can type, you can talk in hypotheticals. Nobody's gonna get in trouble talking about that, right? And if I have this deal, Mr. Investor, can I come talk to you about it? You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I don't think you need a PPM to do that, have that conversation. Now, you obviously, if, if you're gonna start raising real money, you need to have a real deal and you need to have a PPM, right? You know, don't take $1 without that subscription yeah. agreement and that PPM in hand, right? Because you can get in a lot of trouble. So, um, yeah, if you keep it below that dollar threshold, it should be, you're saying it should be okay? 99 cents. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to talk to the SEC about that one, but you get what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better to err on the side of caution, folks. You know, when you're talking about this, you don't want to end up on, you know, the, the front page, you know. Nine o'clock news. Come on. Nine New, newspapers news. are dated. All right. Now all we're right, just TV. Sorry, man. Well, front, you know, yeah. I lost my hair. You know, I'm obviously old. So, you know, but all right. So tips on taking down your first deal as a multifamily syndicator, right? And that's a loaded question. That is a so, very loaded question. You know, I guess if you're doing it all by yourself, right? Let's say you Ooh. are the chief syndicator. I mean, tip is stay organized and have people out also can help steer you in the right direction, right? There's a lot yeah. of moving pieces, right? We do we do have a whole course on this on our Investor Academy. Yep. So investoracademy.net. Yep. If you're interested, we do deep dive and really talk through what are the 20 different moving parts of syndication and closing process to help make sure people, you yep. know, may avoid those mistakes. So definitely highly recommend you guys check that out. Investoracademy.net is the website. Yeah, and reach out to but, us. We got coupon code. We want we want people to do the business right. Yeah. And that's where that's where a lot of this is, this educational piece is gonna be. Yeah. You know, because yeah, that is a loaded there's a ton of things that yeah, you have so to Yeah, so really the about. tip is just yeah, don't screw it up. Be careful. Make sure your deal is gonna perform right, especially if it's the first one. Your best investors are investors that you know, continue to invest with you, right? Ben yeah. and I did an exercise where we were kind of going through investors and one investor referred 13 other people, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's that's powerful, right? Yeah. And so do good to your investors, even if you have to give up your, your share of the deal, right? If you need yeah. to make sure they're whole. So yeah. I think really that's my tip is, you know, it's other people's money, take care of their money better than you take care of it yourself. Yeah, yeah, look at it through the lens of, you know, you do not want to lose people's money. Right. The secondary to that is making people money. Right. But you talk to a lot of these high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. Right. It's all about preservation of capital. Right. And obviously probably tax yeah. benefits when we're talking about commercial real estate. Right. If they end up making, you know, eight to 10 percent cash on cash. Great. 
right? But they do not want to lose a penny of that money. So be very, very careful. Double check all your numbers and also rely on a good team, right? You know, as Ferris had mentioned earlier, there's people that are that are trying to shepherd the deal towards closing and they'll make sure you stay out of trouble so it actually gets to closing and then make sure that you have a good property management company and a good asset management on the back end to make sure that you can hit that business, um, you know, those business objectives, right? Because otherwise, it's all just projections. Mm-hmm. So those would be my tips is to make sure that your team is set in place and they are good and they are solid, right? Yeah. All right. So next question. How to find investment opportunities as a passive investor? All right, that kind of that's a good question because it kind of ties to this. So as a passive investor, right, go to events, go to different Facebook groups, right? Go to multifamily yep. masters, right? That's a good mm-hmm. group. You can kind of see there's a lot of them, right? I know John has a Texas Multifamily Investor Network, very yep. good group as well, right? Search online, ask for referrals, ask us. We'll give you a list of 10 other guys that we know, right? We're yep. happy to kind of, you know, point you at people. And ultimately, it's a figuring out, can you find a sponsor that can perform? Can you find a sponsor that has a similar investment criteria to what mm-hmm. you're looking for? Yeah, like we talked about earlier, right? Are the deals that they're doing in your box, right? Yeah. You know, but <clears throat> one thing to kind of take into consideration, right? You know, passive investors, it's a truly passive thing. Right, our expectation from our passive investors is you fill out four pieces of paperwork and you make your wire transfer in, right? And then we hope that you're reviewing our monthly financials. <laughs> some people do, some people don't. Um, you know, but that's essentially all you have to do, right? So, you know, if you're wanting to take a more active role, right, then you need to start looking into how do you add value to somebody that's doing deals. That's what we talked about earlier, right? But how to find investment opportunities? You got to network. You got to get you, you got to put yourself out there. And that's really at first. And a lot of people are like, I don't really like to network. And, you know, we're in COVID and we get all that, right? But if you're really serious, you have to find the people. They don't just, these things are very tight knit. There's 20 or 30 investors tops on a lot of these deals. So if you want to be one of those 20 or 30 people that gets in on these opportunities, then you got to go seek out those people that are doing deals, right? Absolutely. All right. So you're watching Monday Mondays, right? We do Monday, every Monday, 3.30 Central. Yep. We're talking about multifamily investing and kind of how to get into it, but we're happy to talk about anything. So if you have any questions, Q&A, feel free to leave them. I know we have another question that came in. What's the best way to locate property owners, say, in Washington, D.C., or multifamily buildings? Okay, okay. So I think the answer to that is a 99% of actual larger multifamily comes through a broker one way or another, yeah. right? That's money that is well spent, meaning... You know, don't try to save a buck, right? Cut them out of it. You actually work with them, right? They're really good at knowing mm-hmm. all the sellers. And so I think that's my first piece of advice. Second piece of advice, CoStar has a lot of this data, yeah. right? We do have a CoStar subscription, you know, that's not free. So you have to kind of figure out a way to get access to that data. Yep. CoStar does have it. And there's some other services that can help with that. It's ultimately about what size property you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you're looking for... You know, and we're talking about anything that's probably, well, I guess if you're looking in D.C., anything 60 units and up, right, you're probably going to go through a broker one way or another. Now, if you're looking yeah. at smaller multifamily, check your county records, right? People do this a lot today with houses, right, skip tracing and kind of all yeah. of that stuff. So you can leverage some of that stuff for the, the multifamily world. It just doesn't, it kind of starts to not be so effective as you get bigger. Yeah, no, I agree, right? There's things, you know, especially if you're talking about smaller multifamily, a lot of the the stuff that you might be potentially doing on single family might work, right? You yeah. know, letters, we know Juan Vargas is a great example. He's got a great story where he, him and his wife were sending out these these letters, man, and they're locked up, I think, a 30 unit, yeah. you know, here in the, in the Houston area. So this that stuff works sometimes. Um, you know, as Ferris said, there's kind of probably diminishing 
you know, returns as you get higher and higher, right? Yep. You know, and so yeah, work with the broker because sometimes you'll find brokers that will be your buyer's broker too, right? They'll go out and they'll find deals for you, right? But you're going to have to ultimately pay their pay their fee. But who cares if the deal still works? Then what's the big deal, exactly. right? It's it's worth it to pay that one to three percent, right? So, you know, but uh, yeah, that was a good question though. Yeah, so. You know, if anyone has any more questions, feel free to go ahead and ask them, right? Money Mondays, Monday, every Monday, 3.30 Central. We go through, you know, we're talking about multifamily investing, but we're happy to talk about any questions people may have. So yeah. feel free to ask questions if you have them. Also, we put together a cheat sheet for this. So check out www.disruptequity.com yeah, slash MF cheat sheet to check out kind of our cheat sheet and some tips and tricks and things to kind of think there about you as you're going through it. But anyone has any more questions, we're happy to talk through them. Otherwise, we can talk about, you know, Ben's shirt. I really like the shirt. Right? Disrobe the, the, the namesake so, here. You like know. the name. <laughs> um, all right, we did get another question. All right, what do well, we actually, got? Actually, uh, we got two more questions, but I'm going I'm to answer the more important one first. Sorry, no offense, Avion. Ronnie asks, how many times do you all go to Starbucks a week? At least five, dude. At least, yeah. Then I'm, I'm usually stopped by Starbucks in the morning, so I guess we do both have Starbucks cups. Yeah, probably. Starbucks is not a paid sponsor yet. He, he's, but at he's, some point, he actually, the, he's actually the problem. He, you know, I used to not drink as much Starbucks. Before. We did expand the office, and now we have a sink, and we will have yeah, an actual yeah, machine. Be, so it'll cut back on the Starbucks problem. I don't know, maybe a little bit. No, uh, it'll, it'll save. It'll save us. It'll save us a couple cups. Yeah. So now let's, mm. let's go back to the other question that we got. Uh, so you would suggest using stuff like list source, et cetera, to pull. List of owners on smaller properties, but the bigger property bro- properties brokers are more than likely going to control those properties. Yes, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. Smaller yeah. stuff, list source, your county records, you know, even just finding random nuggets on your, like your uh, real estate agent websites, right? Houston, it's hard. LoopNet. You know, yeah, you can find some smaller stuff on LoopNet yeah. too. So, you know, you're going to have to mine some of that, right? You're just kind of sifting through the bad to find the good. MLS, yeah. you know, we I've seen stuff. Up that's, to what I, that's what I was trying yeah. to say with MLS is the, the word I was looking for. That's where you can find, you know, some of the smaller stuff. And, and again, it's about finding the situation where the wrong agent was listing yes. that, right? Those are the a best. person that doesn't know how to list a five <laughs> unit. Like, for example, someone that is looking at a fourplex and listing it as, okay, well, I know in this area, price per square foot is $100, and so I'm going to list it like a house, but it's actually four units, and you have to count for that, too. So yeah. finding those situations is where you can make some money. That is where you can make a lot of money. You know, you always want you always want the wrong broker on the right deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ask Very us how true. we know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so. but um, if anyone has any more questions, feel free to drop them. Otherwise, we're gonna wrap it up here in another minute. So. All right. All right. Any more questions? Going once. We'll give them another ten seconds. Ten I seconds. I feel like we have like maybe a five second delay on the video feed, but if anyone has more questions, go ahead and drop them. We're happy to talk about and anything, check out including the our folks. Starbucks yeah. as well. We'll talk about the Starbucks and how I lost yeah. my hair. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to know how Ben lost his no, hair. No, you don't want to know. That's a long story. It's a, it's a long it's story. Multifamily I still related. hear it till this day. Multifamily related, right? Yeah. You know. But yeah, check out that cheat sheet, folks. That gives you a little bit more information. And like Ferris had mentioned, on Investor Academy, we, we really take a deep dive on all this stuff, from passive investing to being a sponsor to underwriting a deal. Yeah. Right? You know, so check that out as well. But I guess if no one else has any more questions, we'll go ahead and call it a wrap then. All right. All Signing right. off Thank from Disrupt guys. TV see, Studios. See you guys next Monday. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. 
Fill out your information there and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.